Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. On today's show, I have got the amazing Minku Batar as a guest. Now, she and I met recently in India, and we have been connected through the Women Economic Forum, as well as the All Ladies League. Now, I'm going to let her explain some of the amazing things that she is up to, as well as her recent award. So welcome to the show, Minku. Thank you so much, Laura. Um, very kind of you and honored to be here with you today. I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about you. Um, the theme of my show is the five steps of flaunt. And those stand for find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. So would you like to start talking about finding your fetish and how you have created a life doing the things that you love? Laura, I absolutely love your five flaunts. Um, uh, it's so wonderful because you've absolutely tapped and honed in to the crux and a pulse of Overall, what makes a psyche, <laughs> I love it. Um, so um, who, what do I do? Who am I? Uh, uh, Laura, I'm, I'm um, you know, artist, a writer, a creator at heart. Uh, I believe everyone's connected with the, you know, divine source from and to the divine source. And uh, we all are here to live out a certain story. And that's why it's so fascinating because everyone's got a story. Um, I am an artist. So, uh, you know, I dabble into different forms of art on, um, you know, that I put on different mediums. Um, I can work with wood, glass. Fabrics and of course, fabrics is is really what's taken off. And uh, I launched my own label called Minkse, M I N K S E. Uh, that is now five years old, and uh, so I do. Uh, you know, I could take a picture in someone's backyard, uh, and uh, maybe an old two thousand year old temple because I live in India and it's very rich in its diversity and culture, and I fuse it together and then create this beautiful art in each piece of, uh, whether it's an Indian sari or a shirt or a clutch or a scarf in Pashminas and Kashmir is unique. So I just love living life to its optimum 
And uh, I just do what I love. I guess it's, for me, it has to be a joyful existence. And I can't just, <laughs> that's my psyche, I can't just do things for the, just for the heck of it. Yes. So if that's a fetish uh, with art and colors and vibrancy of life, then that's me. <laughs> it absolutely is. And I love that because for me, it's dance and moving. And wow. it's, yeah, and it's artistic, but it's a different form of art. So I love that yes. you have got, you know, the fabric and the glass and art in a different way. Because sometimes I think people get locked into thinking, oh, I'm not creative, because they have the preconceived idea that being creative means, you know, painting a picture with watercolor. Or, Absolutely. Yeah, and there's such a wide variety of ways to be creative and ways to express ourselves through art. Absolutely. I think a, a creativity happens when you surrender. Ooh. And 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 um, it's when you struggle against a flow that you know the going against upstream, as I call it, becomes tough. But if you just surrender and and say, "I'm just going to accept what's going to come out of my intentions," I think it's beautiful. And I can just so imagine you with your dance. Uh, you know, when you do that with no inhibition and you're not trying to just foxtrot or, or do a, a very standard meringue step or an Indian Kathak or Bharatanatyam, I think it's beautiful. And um, I can see that. I can see you being lost in your uh, dance as well. And uh, so it is for every creator in the world. Uh, and I think we're all creators. We're all creating moments in our life. Oh, yes. I do believe that as well. I do yeah. believe that's true. And I would kind of like to take that one step further and ask, was there ever a time in your life where you disconnected from that creative process, where you maybe, you know, got in your head that you should be doing something else and you lost touch with that piece of you? That is so uncanny, Laura, because just this morning, um, I'm right now here in the U.S. and I was talking to my sister and I was just telling her, I said, you know, when I hear success stories, um, I wouldn't say my brand's not successful because almost everyone back in India in Bangalore, the city I live in knows uh, Mingse and knows me. Uh, I've been tagged as the community influencer and I go like, really? Because <laughs> I don't see myself as that because I'm always grounded and, and uh, you know, vanity is not anywhere in part of my uh, name. Um, so I was just telling her, I said, when I hear success stories per se, and I'm talking about monetary successes, financial successes, uh, then I start to doubt myself and I go like, Hmm, am I what I'm doing the right thing? Because I'm not making as much money as them. And then I bring myself, then you start a little bit of doubt and you go like, oh my God, but five years of hard work, is this the way I want to do? Um, then I just say, oh my God, look at those wonderful people I've come across. Look at the connectivities and the networking and just the joy of creating. And I get very fast recentered 
And I go like, yes, yes, yes. This, this I cannot let go. Um, you know, monetary achievements are on one side. And I really enjoy. And enjoy, as you know, Laura, is to be in joy. Yes. You know? <laughs> so I go like, no, I think it's worth it. Um, well, the other thing that's going to give me a lot of joy, and I wanted to share it, not too many people know about this, so you're one of the few, is, um, um, you know, I, I, I meditate. And, you know, different people meditate with eyes open, eyes closed. And I think I'm transgressing between um, maybe being in meditation just with the eyes closed, as has been taught and conditioned uh, to us, versus being in a very elevated space with your eyes open the whole day. Wow. wow. <laughs> so that, yeah, so that, you know, you're in that beautiful space of mindfulness and awareness of what's happening, what are your reactions. And uh, sometimes if you don't watch, we react very differently and that's not us. So you wow. keep bringing yourself back to your core center. Yeah, And in one of my meditations, um, I was given the idea that I needed to create a very holistic, sacred space to bring people together, um, people who had emotional blocks or, or just wanted to rejuvenate or, or just are burnt out and stressed out at work. So, Laura, I'm very happy to share that's going to be my future line of startup as well. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, would love to have you. I did not realize what all you do till I read about it this morning. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so tuned in. <laughs> Delighted to be here talking to you, Laura. Thank you. I, you know, I too believe that we're all connected to divine source. And there are times when we meet people that we need to meet for the right reasons. And that's how I felt when I had met you and read your profile as well. Thank you so much. And sometimes the, the reasons you meet is of a higher dimension and you know you've just got to tap into it and see you know what's the reason yeah wonderful yeah I like that and that you know my work the center point of my work is on that unconditional acceptance and I like what we're talking about because it is just accepting unconditionally we're here now we don't know where it will lead you don't know what idea will come through your next meditation you don't know if something will make millions of dollars or thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars. You're just accepting unconditionally that this is the information that was channeled through you and you can be the vessel to bring it forth into the world. And whatever happens is in divine right order. Absolutely. And the one thing that I recently am very aware of, and that's with meeting, coming back to WEF, and uh, all my soul sisters with ALL all over the world is if you come from a space of giving, 
and sharing. How can you ever be wrong? How can you ever be doubted? How can you doubt yourself? How can someone else be ever doubting your intentions? Because you come from a space of giving and sharing. I so, love that. That is beautiful. And I will spend some more time at the end of the hour, um, listeners, just stay tuned, but I will spend some more time at the end of the hour talking about um, ALL and WEF because they are two incredible organizations that bring women from all over the world together. And what Minku was saying is right. It's a connection that is giving and sharing. It's not a cheesy networking event where you go try to sell things to people or prove how wonderful you are. It's a soul sisterhood, and it is one of the most beautiful things I have ever experienced. Absolutely. Totally agree with you, Laura. It's really nice. I've, I've met such inspiring people. Um, uh, I don't know if this is the right time to perhaps um, share about a last wave, do you think? Yes, I think that would be lovely. So uh, WEF, Women Economic Forum 2019, was very monumental. It was uh, amazing. Um, it was almost like a breakthrough WEF for me. Uh, I connected with people, uh, with women, much more than I did in 2018. Uh, maybe because the jump of 2018 to 2019 was transformational for me. Yes. And and when you transform and go on an inwards journey, you connect soul to soul so much more. Yes. Uh, it's not about, uh, you know, across borders, across, it's like a global sisterhood, isn't it? And, you know, with Dr. Harbin Arora and Vina Rai, what they've started is, is not even a foundation, it's a movement, a global movement to share um, you know, empowerment issues, uh, sisterhood, unconditional love. I spoke in three forums this year, and um, I also led the delegation from Bangalore of 22 Sisters. And uh, the plenary, because I'm a fashion designer, the plenary was curated around, um, so the topic we, we had was, realigning your oneness to your outer personal style quotient. Oh, wow. It was deep. It was so deep. And, you know, we talked about how if your inside engineering is not right, what you deflect or reflect outside cannot be looking too attractive. <laughs> and... Uh, True. I mean, do you agree? Uh, yes, very much. Very much. And then at the same time, you could be dressed in the most expensive, uh, you know, of dress in the world. But um, again, if your inside is not right, it does not uh, do anything much for you. Um, I also talked about a very, very um, uh, dear topic to me, which was how to balance your life holistically. I'd like to hear more about that because many of the women that I work with struggle with that, as well as many of the friends that I have, as well as me in my own journey. It becomes difficult 
to <laughs> ground and do things holistically because we get stressed and we get busy and we get excited. And the next thing we know, we haven't eaten well, we haven't slept, we're absolutely. Grouchy. Yeah. So what can you, what tips and tricks and what, say everything you possibly can say about that because we need it. <laughs> so creating balance the holistic way, um, it's not about just sitting in the OM moment. <laughs> it's about functioning and functioning well. And, um, you know, um, I had my co-panelists, um, uh, the two, my co-panelists were all the way from Costa Rica. Um, and it was so nice to have this fresh perspective from each one of us. So coming back to what I said is, uh, considering the amount that we cram into our everyday lives, um, considering the fact that we all think we are super women, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, women are much more, I'm sorry, guys out there, but, you know, women are much better multitaskers than a man would ever be. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, also, we wear so many hats. We are, um, you know, daughters to start with, and then wives and mothers. And, um, you know, we work professionally in a workspace. Uh, we're trying to break the glass ceiling. And I think that's happening worldwide. Yes. Um, so if, if we do not take a moment to step back and replenish our souls, um, and I'm very, very big into hashtag my time, me time. I like that. <laughs> I like uh, that. So, so you know, um, we have forgotten how to... Uh, be spontaneous. You know, if if the body's tired, you need to go hit a spa. Uh, you need to go for a massage. Uh, you need to, uh, you know, smell the coffee, as they say, you know. Um, go explore your own city and see your own city from the eyes of a tourist. Go on a solo holiday, you know, just by yourself or just kick off your shoes and say, I'm going to walk barefoot today on the nice grass with lovely, you know, morning dew. Yeah. Uh, whatever you do, I think unless, unless you yourself tend to be very wholesome, you know, uh, so it's like holding a cup. If the, if, if the bowl is not full, okay, uh, then you start you, you can't start giving out. At the same time, if you don't pour out of the bowl what is unnecessary and redundant in your life, you cannot fill the bowl with something more beautiful and enriching. I love that you pointed that out because many of us women, I think, do get locked into wearing the hat of the one who does it all. And it could be cleaning our own house when perhaps we could hire somebody to do that because we need that time. It could be having our partner cook because we don't enjoy it and it depletes us. It's yes. okay to let some things go. It's okay. <laughs> I think that, you know, redefined roles. And, you know, I live in India. And for me to say that, 
because we come from a very paternal uh, background. Um, it's just that I think very global and because I travel so much and I've lived 17 years in nine countries. Wow. Uh, so I think I bring back to my table and to myself an integrated uh, balanced view of life mm -hmm. uh, where I feel I'm such a cross-culture prodigy. Yes. <laughs> and and, and I've, I think imbibed what I thought was healthy for me and completely um, seeped off, strained off what is not uh, healthy. And I think we all ought to do that. We need to know what's toxic. Yes. Yes. What about toxic people around us, Laura? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those people around us. We just do. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have to learn to redefine without feeling guilty. Um, it could be our parents uh, who are very demanding. Um, it could be our siblings. It could be a friend who's always kind of whinge and moan yeah. and <laughs> bring your vibration down. Um, I think we have to redefine our sacred spaces and say, this is my sacred space. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned that from Phyllis Crystal. Um, I don't know if you know Phyllis Crystal. I love that. Yes. So uh, Phyllis Crystal was 100 years old when she came to India and uh, taught us what there was about cutting the ties that bind. Yes. Um, and so I'm very honored and very privileged to, you know, have gone through all the courses with her. And today I'm a facilitator. Really? Of yeah, I of cutting the ties that. that bind. Yes. And that is so important. And something that I just wanted to throw out there as you were talking about that with cutting the ties that bind just this past weekend I had a conversation with my older son about boundaries and how sometimes we feel like we are being mean by setting a boundary yes. but in reality we give other people a chance to honor us more and they respect us more because we have been clear about our boundaries and then having that conversation Absolutely. oh yeah and then <laughs> after having that conversation I realized wow there are some places in my own life I haven't been clear about my boundaries and then I feel resentful and yes. I don't show up as a good person and it's my fault because I didn't clarify my own boundaries Yes, at certain point of time, uh, you know, what I've understood from uh, Phyllis Crystal, and of course she pa passed away to the other realm uh, at 102, um, so she's no more with us, but um, uh, she said 50% of who we are is conditioning of when we were growing up and what, you know, our role play as a child uh, how we manipulated because we wanted to be fed as a baby and, um, you know, expectations of being a daughter or um, a sister. Uh, those make up 50% of the psyche of who we are. And 50% is karmic if, you know, 
people out there believe in it. Um, it's in our DNA who we are. We bring it to this life. Yes. And there is absolutely no harm in saying that I want to regain my, my side of my sacred golden space. Um, and what happens is when people move out of your boundaries, you are allowing them as well to explore their 100% potential. Wow, that is true. I hadn't thought so, of that. Yeah, it's both ways. You gain your sacred space and then you give them a chance. So even a child above 18, we can advise them, but they, you know, their own karmic status come in, comes into play. And by interfering and making too many decisions for them after they're 18, you are interfering with what lessons and experiences they've come to earth to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. That is so true. And boy, do we like to interfere sometimes. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, our instincts to be very, um, uh, we are very protective. You know, um, that's our hormones, the maternal instincts. But, you know, every time we need to step back and say, we need to allow them to make their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Just like we need to make our own. Because maybe you've had this experience too. I know I have. Where somebody advises me against doing something, and I do it anyway, but the only way I learn is because I experienced the mistake. And having people tell me about it just didn't quite resonate with me. I had to feel... Yeah, we're still learning every day. Tell me about uh, your other sparkles, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Which is your other sparkles? The laughter, of course. Exactly. Um, Yep, finding your fetish, laughing out loud, accepting unconditionally. The next one is navigating the negative. And we were talking, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much what we were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. How do we navigate the negative without being defeatist, without feeling like, oh, I'm a loser, I can't do anything right. And I think when you were saying the holistic, balancing yourself holistically, that helps us fail that helps us through the difficult times also i think another thing i've learned in life um, is that uh, just when you think you have it all in place life has a way of whacking you (laughs) in the most unexpected ways Uh, so i think uh, you've got to be watchful and mindful of those moments and if you notice, it's always the ones who were alert and watchful that they can actually navigate their life through those crises. Yes. Um, and, and, and my mantra, and I have this written next to my work desk, is life, comma, bring it on, exclamation mark. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, bring it on, baby. I'm ready for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the things that we learn, even when it's difficult, are amazing. It is. So um, um, I had another mentor uh, of uh, 
amazing, amazing uh, person. Um, and in India, the, the mentors are called Swamis. I don't know if you've ever come across this, uh, S-W-A-M-I. So I came across a very, very learned, uh, very evolved Swamiji who has had a major impact in my life with his talks on Vedanta and about, you know, he talked in depth about the scriptures, the ancient scriptures in India, yes. um, the Vedanta and the Bhagavad Gita. And he says the success to uh, success in life translates into turning your adversities into opportunities. Hmm. It sure does, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that can be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's always a learning process. And I, I think it's nice. It's, it's great to, you know, like you said, laughter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, ha- have you um, heard of the Laughter Club? <laughs> no, I have not. But that sounds like it's just my thing. So um, there is uh, someone called Dr. Kataria, as in K-A-T-A-R-I-A, if I'm not wrong. Okay. And he's the laughter guru of the world. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> so, the, so they have laughter clubs in every single country, and he's thinking of opening a university, a laughter university in India. Oh my goodness, I definitely need to check him out because that is just my thing. I love that. It's, uh, yeah. I I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned, you know, the Swami that you had, you know, learned Mm -hmm. from and you had mentioned, um, you know, Phyllis Crystal. You have a lot of international experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I, I don't have as much as you, I've visited many other countries, but I've not lived in other countries. But I feel like some countries and cultures are more open to learning from other people. And I feel like sometimes in the U.S., we become very headstrong and say, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Could you speak to that? You know, it's so interesting. Oh, my God. I think we're just tapping into each other's uh, thought processes today. my other topic <laughs> that I spoke on at the VEF uh, was uh, food, festivals, films, and fashion across cultures and how it brings cultures together. I love it. It was such an apt topic where, uh, you know, I'd spoken about cultures, cross cultures, and exactly what you're saying is that certain cultures, um, you know, there's no secularism. They're very closed. They're not open to learning. Um, I feel uh, it starts with an individual's perspective and then it spreads into a collective consciousness, right? Yes. So so if um, people are open to learning, you, you can take the horse to the water hole, but you cannot make a drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I would say thank God for just a few souls who are open to learning because just when they learn, they can spread 
this consciousness, these beautiful elevated vibrations around them, uh, first to their families and then to the society, then to their country and then the universe. I like that. So the collective consciousness does need to go up because the world um, is headed uh, where it's headed. Um, we need to actually dissolve geographical boundaries. But here we are looking at people putting up walls. <laughs> so, so it doesn't work like that because... Um, it's transitory. End of the day, all walls need to come down uh, for the highest elevation of just human mankind. Yes. We are not doing wonders for our environment, Laura. Uh, we are not really consciously leaving any kind of heritage for our future generations. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, so I think... Uh, like I said, the, the consciousness to want to, you know, move on to a higher dimension uh, needs to come for and from an individual. Um, I do find, if I can say this from my observation, that Germans uh, are, uh, and then some of the Latin American countries, because every time I've gone to a retreat anywhere in the world, I've had the Japanese the Germans and the South Americans as being the most open-minded, willing to learn nationalities. I agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. I don't uh, have personal experience in Japan, but I do with Germans and South Americans. I absolutely agree. So which other nationality do you think is very open to learning, according to you, Laura? I was, I'm not sure if WEF was a representative sample of the entire cultures. Mm -hmm. But I, and this, and this is why I'm going to ask you this too, there was such beauty in, in India, in the whole mm -hmm way that your entire culture was very rooted in the past, but also so open to learning and connecting towards the future. <laughs> and I, it was my first time visiting India and I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah. The women were the most beautiful, forward thinking women but in such a wonderful, gentle way. That's and beautiful. It opened my heart so much because it literally felt to me like one woman at a time, I will connect with you, we will open this door. I will connect with you, we will open this door. And I so was- So true. That is so true. I think uh, um, we grow up imbibing so many dialects in so many cultures. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Punjabi, I'm a Sikh. You know, uh, my, my ancestors have always tied, you know, the turban. And uh, a, a, the younger generation doesn't anymore. 
a lot of them don't anymore. Uh, I also find that, uh, you know, the younger generation has a more questioning mind. Uh, they don't just want to accept a ritual or, a, or, or uh, something from uh, the scriptures just because. Yeah, the just because doesn't work for Indian children anymore. Um, just to give you an example, my 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 children, of course, uh, have done their higher schooling and and now they are working in Australia. So um, um, they have a questioning mind. I I probably they both grew up at the the same way. My daughter's a little bit more spiritual, uh, and my son is an atheist. <laughs> so I, you know, coming back to again, it's your own journeys, and that's what I love about VEF uh, that uh, everyone brings to the table something beautiful. They come with no agenda, yeah, but to exchange healthy ideas. And uh, I think uh, we all grow. We come back, I think, more enriched and more wise. And look at those beautiful connections we make across the globe. And I think that's what it is. It has to be a collective universal consciousness versus and you know, just at the individual consciousness level. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for spending your time. It really touched me. And I hope we can connect again whether it's doing another radio show or just personally to stay in each other's lives. I really have appreciated getting to know you. Thank you, Laura. I so appreciate you reaching out to me uh, once again. And uh, yes, I don't think there's anything called coincidence because we all, you know, cross over and come into each other's lives for a certain reason. Uh, I would love to keep in touch. I love your radiance. I love your smile. <laughs> and uh, lots of love and best of luck for all your future endeavors thank you and same to you namaste namaste throughout this interview minku and i have both talked quite a bit about the women economic forum as well as the all ladies league and she and i met in india at the women economic forum uh sometimes we call that wef and sometimes we call the All Ladies League um, All. So just so you know, that's what I'm talking about in case I slip into an acronym. I wanted to spend the last 15, 20 minutes or so of the show sharing with you a little bit more about both of those organizations because I am so passionate about what they are and what they stand for. They are truly incredible organizations and if you are a woman and if you do business of any kind if you're an author or a speaker or in any kind of thought leadership this really 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 might be the kind of organization that you consider joining and I will tell you why now just so you know for the record membership is free yes that's right membership to both of these organizations is free however to join you need to be recommended by somebody so if you're thinking mm, I think this might sound like me but do I need to be recommended by somebody 
please reach out to me. Email me, Laura, L-O-R-A, at Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E, dot com, and we can have a conversation, and I would be happy to recommend you. So, a little bit more about these organizations, just so you know. The forum arm of the Global Network All Ladies League, the Women Economic Forum, is an international platform enabling women and leaders from all walks of life worldwide to expand business opportunities and enhance personal influence through networking across borders while being inspired by some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and celebrities. They are a nonprofit with, with a philanthropic vision and a collaborative spirit. With connections of over 100,000 members and inspiring women across 150 countries, All and West are among the largest women's networks offering the widest outreach, enabling global connections for empowering women's entrepreneurship and leadership. They have a strong spirit, um, and they are a movement of gender equality without gender divisiveness. Oh my gosh, that is so important. And what I can say from my experience, but before I keep reading this, I just have to jump in and share a bit from my experience. I was in India for five days at the Women Economic Forum. All day, from morning until evening, there were speakers. Not only in the plenary session, the main conference room, the big, you know, the biggest conference room in the hotel, but upstairs, there were a variety of breakout sessions. And each of those sessions were led by members of the Women Economic Forum. And we could choose, you know, where we wanted to go. If there was something like, for instance, I spoke on dance. Ooh you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload my video to my um, radio show page. So be sure to look at my radio show page and I'll show you my video on dance. Um, among other things, I spoke three different, kind, uh, three different times. So there were these themes and these topics. So you could go to the different sessions where you had a personal interest. If for interest, for example, if it's business development, you can go in and listen to some of the business development stuff. If it was dance for healing, which is some of the stuff I spoke about, we could do that. Um, one of my friends does these henna crowns for women who are half breast cancer and they lose their hair. She was in a healing session on service. So whatever your interest is, whatever your niche is, you can find speakers from across the globe speaking on that topic, which is phenomenal because I don't know about you, but I get so locked in to my own point of view. I get so locked in to the U.S. point of view because most of my clients are from the U.S. And yes, although I see some people from the U.K. or from Australia, I do predominantly have my own culture's viewpoint. And it was so refreshing to attend the Women Economic Forum and to be able to meet from women doing essentially my same work with women in other parts of the world. And then we could share and we could find those commonalities. You know, what are some of the things that women struggle with everywhere and 
what are the, some of the things that women struggle with because of the part of the world that they live in? And what are some of the tools that I use that I can offer other people that they might not otherwise know? And what are some of the tools that they can teach me and that I can bring back to my own client base, my own part of the world, and share with people, and we can all grow up together in ways that we might not have been able to before. It was truly astounding. And what I have to say is the amount of sharing and love and sisterhood that took place there was un. Believable. I mean, I could sit down and I could read the website and I could say, yay, you know, without gender divisiveness, yes, that's my mission, and a collaborative spirit, and yay, empowering women together, yes, yes, yes. But I would have that little but in my mind. But I hope other people really believe that. But I hope it really works that way. I was blown away. Women brought gifts for each other. Some of the sessions, women would give flowers. They would offer jewelry. They would give books and CD. The question on everybody's lips was, how may I serve you? And it was legitimate. It was heartfelt. It wasn't a trite walking up to somebody and being like, hey, I'm Laura from the US, how can I serve you? the depth of connection that was built was truly stunning. And I do mean stunning. And I left the Women Economic Forum so pumped up and so excited to go back and so excited to join the All Ladies League and to continue my network and to continue my connection with these people across the globe. Now, the founder of both of these amazing networks is Dr. Harbeen Aurora, and she is the founder, founder of Bio Ayurveda. And you know what? I need to put that up on my website as well as on the show page because that is an all-natural skincare line that is gorgeous. It's got all the essential oils. It's you know free of all the stuff that it's supposed to be free of, and it's truly transformative. Um, for your skin. Now, this is her organization. This is her group. She, because of her light, her sparkle, she brings all of these women together across the globe. And not only does she create this beautiful place with this beautiful heart-centered sharing, she gave us all presents. I kid you not. She gave us these gift boxes of this Bio Ayurveda product, these, the skincare product that was absolutely beautiful. She put on the most glorious conference. There were lush, fresh flowers everywhere. The food was unbelievable. The care and the attention to details was all very feminine, all very connected. It was, you know, I, I've used this word so many times that it's starting to sound silly, but it was truly incredible. Now, here is a message from her that I would like to share with you, just kind of so you can kind of get a better feeling for this. This is, in her words, an internet of women that she is creating. It's a worldwide web of women. 
So when you think about how the internet makes the world smaller and how we can suddenly do business and have clients all over the globe, you know, using video conferencing and WhatsApp and Viber and all of these other different things, what she is creating is this internet of women. The All Ladies League is this all-inclusive worldwide web of women's leadership. But it's more than that. It's friendship, too. It's entrepreneurship. The women that I have met, we have just texted back and forth to see how each other are doing. We're sharing what we're doing. We're supporting each other. But again, it's not in this cheesy, salesy way that, hey, I'm going to give you my clients and I'm going to refer these people to you. It is truly from a place of caring. Anyway, the All Ladies League is an international chamber. It's like this chamber of world of women worldwide where we can really bring in positivity and inspiration and where we can share our struggles and our successes in order to support each other. What's really nice about it is it's since it is focused on friendship and that connection of women, it's not networking in the traditional way that you might think of when you think networking. It's where we share our gifts with each other freely. Like I mentioned, there's the plenary session, the main session, and then there's these parallel sessions that take place. And it's up to us, it's up to the women to choose which speakers they want to go here. But through the speaking, there's no selling. It's not come listen to my gig and then you can buy from me. It's these are my gifts and this is what I've learned. Let me share it with you. And how can I help you take my gifts and incorporate those gifts into everything that we're doing? It's a whole consciousness raising group, which was so much more and so much richer than I ever knew possible. Um, they talk about sisterhood circles. It truly is a circle of women. And I think I had mentioned this before, there's over 100,000 members and there are women representing from 150 countries. So you can have your own delegate of, delegate of women from the US or from Nigeria or from India or from you know wherever it is, you've got your little your little delegate of women and you can come with them and you can meet people from all over within your country, but you can also network with people outside. And it provides such a great depth of understanding for what other women are going through um, and how we can broaden our services and our network and our love to be more inclusive and to be more positive. You know, in the US you hear so much about like, um, diversity and inclusion and it's a really great thing but so much of it is lip service and so much of it also then reflects that kind of this fear-based thing oh if we're too diverse what's gonna happen to me how am I going to be taken care of if, if all of a sudden we're pushing for too much diversity and then we have this diversity fatigue well organizations like this like the All Ladies League and the Women Economic Forum are so brilliant because they let us understand and they let us see in a non-threatening environment how different cultures do things, how women from different parts of the world have different gifts. From the simplest things like clothing, how we dress differently and what that means, 
in an environment like this, people would come up to me, I've got lighter hair and lighter eyes, and they would say, oh my gosh, I just want to look at you. I never see light eyes. And then we would talk. And then I would say, that sorry is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And look at the beadwork. And what does this mean? And how do you put it on? And then the women would teach me how to wrap a sari and they would show me, you know, the beautiful beadwork and what it means to wear it over your head and how you work it around here and, and how the scarves keep the heat off. And it completely transformed my view of different women in different cultures by actually having conversations with them. I don't know about you, but I'm curious about some of the other clothing. I have seen these beautiful, you know, women from Africa with these turban type things and these dresses with these bright colors, and I didn't know what to call them. And I didn't know if it was cultural, I didn't know if it was religious, but you see something that's different, that's outside of what you're used to looking at, and it's fascinating and you want to stare at it. And you want to ask questions, but then you don't know if you're going to insult somebody because you're thinking, I don't want to insult somebody and I should, should I know or should I not know? Well, in a group like this, we were all approaching each other and saying, what is this that you wear? And oh my gosh, women in America do that? And you show your arms this way and you show your legs this way and what does this mean and how do you do it? And it was these circles of sisterhood where we could actually share with each other and we could move into that curiosity. And we could look at each other's hair and jewelry and clothing and find out the significance behind it. You know, even the bindi, the dot on the forehead, we were talking, you know, well, what does this mean? And, and because people would come up and they would put, in India, they would put the dot on your forehead and they'd say namaste and we'd say thank you and then some of the people from the US would say wait a minute I don't want to offend somebody isn't this cultural appropriation and it would be like no I'm sharing parts of my culture with you and same thing when people would you know we would move in we could all try on saris there was um, a, a guy there that had that made them and you could buy them or you could try them on and uh, we would put them all on and then we people would say, isn't this cultural appropriation? I don't want to offend you. Well, there's no offense taken because we are trying on a piece of their culture that they are sharing with us. And then likewise, some of the women that I was talking to, um, I was trying to be mindful of my own dress because I didn't want to offend anybody. And I had a dress that hit at knee level. And then a couple of the women from the other cultures that typically do not show the knees were asking me questions about that. What does that mean in your culture? If people see a knee, what, what does that mean? And I could share ways where that wasn't offensive or ways where that could be considered offensive and how it could sometimes be difficult in sitting or standing or crawling. And it was just this beautiful way to share who we are and what our culture means to us or doesn't mean to us in, an, in a way that is so non-threatening and beautiful. And I think Ningku just uh, mentioned in this interview too about some of the younger generation not wearing the turban and some of that gets lost. And again, being able to explore it from a sisterhood place of what does this mean? Is this religious? Is this cultural? What does it mean to you? I'm curious about it and I want to learn. And it's the state of non-judgment. 
um, you know, same thing. I talked to one woman about showing my shoulders because um, she she asked, she said, in, in the U.S., I hear that you guys show your shoulders a lot, especially in the summertime, you wear the tank tops. And it was like, yes, we do. And she expressed concern. Was that was that disrespectful to me? Because growing up in India, she grows has the perspective that covering yourself is respectful to you. And one of the things that I experienced in India is when they do security checks. You know, like in the U.S., you go through the airport and you whip your arms out and they can, they can pat you down and they do it in public. Well, in India, they put the women behind a curtain so people don't see you getting pat down. But it's a respect thing. It's not that we have to hide our women. It's a respectful thing. And it feels good and it feels loving. And we had that conversation where in the U.S., I didn't feel disrespected being pat down in public because that was just part of our culture. And I didn't feel disrespected wearing a tank top or a spaghetti strap because it was part of my culture and I was used, used to doing it and I didn't even think twice about it. And we discussed how it's so interesting, how it's a respect thing and sometimes women from the US judge people from other cultures like, I, you can't cover me up that way. I can show my body however I want. And it's like, well, yes, you can. But the women in India that I spoke with didn't see it as being hidden. They didn't see it as being, you know, inhibited. It's a respectful thing. And they were honoring themselves and people around them were honoring them by giving them their privacy. Which again, then we have this conversation about how amazing that is because U.S. is big on privacy. You know, U.S. has that attitude in their culture that you can't make me do anything and, and that we're really strong and that we're rebellious and, and we protect our privacy. Yet there's certain things like that that we willingly show. In the U.S., you can wear shorts and a tank top and it's not considered a violation of personal privacy. And it's interesting just to talk in those sisterhood circles and to be able to see your own culture in a different light and then to understand somebody else's culture in a different light and to laugh about it like, like that. Ha ha, U.S., we love our privacy, yet this isn't deemed private. But in another culture where privacy is maybe not as strongly rooted in the culture, that fierce independence is a different kind, yet there's so much more respect towards women and within women themselves about that modesty piece. And I just felt like I left with such a greater understanding. And I can safely say that all of the women felt that way. Whether it was cultures that were very similar, such as the U.S. and Australia, or cultures that were very different, it was so wonderful to sit with women and to eat with women and to look at each other's clothing and to touch it and to share, here, try this on. Here, look at my, we shared jewelry, we shared clothing, we shared stories. And to talk about our kids and our businesses and the educational systems, all of a sudden it makes diversity what it should be. It made me understand how much richer 
my own work can be when I am able to weave in ideas and belief and tools from other cultures, from other women that they have shared with me and how much I can add to their work because of what I have shared with them. I challenge you to open your mind to creativity, joy, positivity, and see what you can create today. Have a glorious week. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at LauraCheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.